Hey friends, welcome back to Witch Church. It's Mal. Today I have my friend Rebecca Sholnick joining me on this episode. And this is so exciting because usually my guests are astrologers or tarot readers, which is all fine and dandy. And we love an astrologer. We love a tarot reader guest. And Rebecca is a tarot reader, but she's also a numerologist. And we've never had a numerologist on the Witch Church podcast, but I'm really excited to invite this kind of modality on the Witch Church podcast. And Rebecca is so knowledgeable about the divinity of numbers. And to be honest with you, I don't know if anybody feels this way, but sometimes it feels like tarot and astrology is so much that we kind of sometimes I wonder like what what can numerology even add into my life but I will say upon diving deeper into my life path number which is what we're going to be talking about today with Rebecca um knowing a little bit more about my life path number actually expanded everything that I know that I knew previously about my astrology. So while sometimes it may seem like, oh, this is just another piece of the puzzle that I have to add in, I think it'll really surprise you, especially those listening who are uh, astrology nerds like I am. I, I think it's going to really surprise you just how informative and beautiful your life path number or beautifully your life path number can fit into your sun moon rising and you know your life path number is also related to the tarot as well so Rebecca gets into all of that we're going to talk about life path numbers one through nine and then also touch on 11 and 22 at the end and don't worry if you don't know how to calculate your life path number Rebecca will explain it in the episode so even if you have no idea what your life path number is by the end of this episode you will know <laughs> and you also know a little bit more about um, the energy that your life path carries in this lifetime so so excited for y'all to get this new perspective on yourselves let me tell you a little bit more about Rebecca before we get into this episode. So Rebecca is an emotional witch, forever seeker, and a queer human lady who uses magic and storytelling to support unlearning work and inspire new meaning making. A Jill of all trades, wrestler of internalized capitalism, Becca teaches and works one-on-one -on -one with the tarot and numerology and hosts a podcast on alternative religions called Discourse of the Stranger with Divine Spark Media. She hopes to provide spiritual and practical support for those looking to reclaim freedom from all of the ways in which our patriarchal, evangelist, white supremacist culture has taught us to hate ourselves, not know ourselves, and keep ourselves small. Her first book on numerology and witchcraft will be published in the fall of 2022. 
can't wait for that. Um, and I really hope you enjoy this episode, my friends. If you learn anything new about yourself or your life path number, comment below if you're watching on YouTube and let us know your experience with your life path number. And if you're listening on a podcast platform that allows you to give us five stars, leave us a little rating, that would be much appreciated. And send this episode to your friends. If you have any friends who are nerdy about the divinity of numbers, definitely send this episode to them. Thanks for listening, my friends. Okay, so I'm so interested to know a little bit more about the numerology journey, but I also want to know a little bit about like maybe what led you towards your spiritual path. And I'm wondering like, was this something that was always in your mind? Was it tarot that came to you? Was it astrology? Was it numerology? Give us, give us the dirt, spill the tea on your okay. uh, spiritual yes. path, please. <laughs> you got it. Um, well, I was really excited, especially to come on your show because it's called Witch Church, because my spiritual journey actually started in the church. So when I was a kid, my mom sang in the worship band at a non-denominational Christian church. And I started going with her and like quickly graduated from, you know, Sunday school to then being in the children's choir to, we would go on trips. Like we were very much enmeshed in kind of the church community and, and life. And then when I was seven, my mom left that worship band because it was a job for her. And so she left that job and went to a tr very traditional Catholic church where she was their like lead cantor. And so I did go with her a few times, but I wasn't baptized. So they wouldn't let me eat the cracker or drink the juice. <laughs> and um, I very quickly became not interested in, in that church. And so I looked up churches in the phone book at seven years old, like in the yellow pages. And my dad, who's not religious, dropped me off. And I started going to this new church by myself. And so, like very, uh, yes, the look on your face is correct. Um, a lot of people had questions, but I was like welcomed into that church community. And I pretty much went to church on my own uh, until I was about 15 when I had a falling out with my youth pastor and kind of started looking for other things. And it was very dramatic. I got a lead in the school musical and had to take some time. I was singing in the worship band at this point, like in my youth group. And so I was going to have to take some time off. He told me God was disappointed in me. That didn't feel right for me. <laughs> so, um, I was like, maybe, you know, there were a, a few other things, of course, that were not vibing with me at that point. And I was like, maybe there's something like another area of spirituality that I can really tap into. So, my mom was also kind of new agey, like in, we would read horoscopes in the paper. And so I already kind of had some of um, the awareness and the lingo, but I really started going after it after I left the church and tarot and numerology kind of entered the chat at the same time. I got my 
first tarot deck from like the sole metaphysical witch shop in my hometown. Um, and then my mom actually had my numerology chart done for me by a sidewalk mystic in Northern California, like in this little beach town. Uh, as far as I know, he's still there. Like he just sets up on the sidewalk and offers charts. And so the two of them kind of were around the same time that I started looking just for other spiritual modalities and um, really started kind of fleshing out some of the things that also the church would tell you not to look at. And I was like, I think I'm going to look at it. I think I'm going to go for it. So that's like the beginning of my, of my spiritual journey. And I have a question too, like when, at what point did you look back at your numerology reading as like an adult and what point were you like, oh shit, like there's something to this. Like I resonate with this. Yeah. 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 So I still have the paper that, that was given to me after this reading because there was something. So not only was my chart there, but then, um, he listed like all the numbers and two keywords and for each number. And I remember feeling like there was something so succinct and manageable about the keywords that I was like, oh, I understand something about these numbers, or I understand the energy that we're trying to get to. And I also saw like the journey through the numbers, um, of saying like, okay, we start here, then we move into this, then we move into the next, which when we go through the numbers that will become very clear. And I think it was something about the, like just how succinct it all was that felt super accessible in a way that astrology or tarot needed additional study and somehow numerology didn't. And I have to also add that I am horrible at math. Like I had to go to tutoring in high school to get through math. Um, it was never a strong suit. I was always griping about how I didn't understand. Um, and so the fact that then later I'm like, oh, numbers make the most sense to me is a huge cosmic joke that I'm still, you know, laughing at on the daily. But I don't know at what point I was when I was an adult that I looked back on it. I don't know. I think I went through, if we use this language, I went through like a real dark night of the soul after college oh. and <laughs> yeah. Um, and so all of my spiritual practices really kind of came back around as a way for me to really ground into who I was kind of separate from all of the constructs that I had found myself a part of, like um, I was trying to be an actor. That's a very difficult life. Um, I was working a lot of jobs that I didn't care about, you know, just generally like using those spiritual tools to make sense of myself separate from the opinions of others, which seemed to be coming at me from all angles at that point in my life. So maybe after college. Okay. And what is, what is your life path number? I forget. Ooh, I am an eight life path That's and <laughs> yes. Uh. And so actually that makes total sense when thinking, okay, I needed this information to ground me because eight is a very powerful number at, towards the end of the number line. So something as we like get further into the life paths, um, a lot of times I find that my 
people that I'm working with don't resonate with their life path numbers very early on in their lives, because it really is like the long journey. And so when we're younger, it's, we're constantly coming up against those, our numbers as kind of like opportunities for growth, which growth doesn't feel great all of the time. And so for me, eight is all about power and empowerment and resourcing and confidence. And so of course, like when my own self-doubt was a really big theme in my life or imposter syndrome, or just not feeling good enough, or um, again, listening to the opinions of others instead of knowing who I was, like that's total eight, eight stuff coming up for me. So it makes, it makes a lot of sense to me, even saying it back to you now that, that, that those would be the themes that kind of led me back down the rabbit hole towards numbers. Right. It's so interesting. Like even the phrase like eight is a very powerful number. I've always felt like that. And I'll tell you, and if our, if our mutual friend, Nick from man of the cards is listening, they'll, they'll be happy. I'm saying this. Cause I guess part of this take is definitely like deconstructing tarot as we know it. But I will say, I feel like one of my most powerful cards in the tarot quote unquote is the eight of cups and sometimes Mm. I feel like the eight of cups comes in even more powerfully than what we've taught we've been taught to be like the most powerful cards which are the major arcanas like sometimes the eight of cups feels even more profound to me than anything else in the deck so I really resonate with that idea wow like it a life path eight, like you're here to, to, to like dive deep into some very, very, uh, I think, uh, what's the word? Like some very like deep waters, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I love about numerology, and I guess, um, I should just say what numerology is to me (laughs) before we get too much further. I'm like the one one we'll cover our bases. So numerology for me is a bit of a twofold practice. So on the one hand, it is the study of the divine language of numbers. So all of these ancient mystics and philosophers and scientists, mathematicians, all really saw numbers as the language with which the world and the universe was written. So they saw uh, these naturally occur, you know, this, this system of measurement as a way to decode kind of the, the divine construction of the world. So we can get to know the language because it is poetic, just like, um, astrology is, is science and poetry kind of blended together. Um, I feel very strongly that that is numerology as well. So, um, we are offered like poetic archetypes and energies, and we can really get to know them through, through language. And then we can take all of that information. And the second fold is then we can intuitively and creatively apply that information to people, places, and events. So we can use this information personally on ourselves, just like we would with an astrology chart. Um, And we can also use this information collectively if we want to tune into like the global year, because numbers still seem to be one of the most mutually agreed upon, you know, collectively agreed upon systems of measurement. So we, we find them everywhere and we can, you know, do our little calculations to kind of find 
what that root number is. So in a, in a traditional, and I, I say traditional, but I don't think that's the best word for it anymore. Cause my, my practice of numerology is very modern or very my own. Um, but typically speaking, we're looking at the building block numbers when we look at at numerology. So one through nine, those are the numbers of the spiral or the number line. Um, even though we can look at this very linearly, I think numerology in itself is cyclical and, and spiralic. So I use the spiral, some others use the line, um, but we're using these like foundational building block numbers and then growing from there. So, um, but most, most commonly, if you are looking at numerological um, calculations, you're going to want to get down to that single digit. Mm, that's fascinating. Yeah. I love this, this idea that like the, even the ancient philosophers like Pythagoras or, you know, like we always knew at, on some level that uh, numbers were divine and that like spirit or the universe communicates in these ways with us and I think there's something too that's really magical about the universal language of numbers and how it sounds cheesy, but like math is the same in anywhere, like in every country or whatnot. And I feel like it's interesting to think about how numbers can translate through all different paradigms, all different cultures, all different languages. It does feel yeah. It feels like spirit, spirit speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are many schools of thought for numerology still to this day. So, um, for example, you already kind of were on the money, ding, ding, ding. My lineage is Pythagorean numerology. So it comes from the West comes from, um, Greece and Southern Italy, where Pythagoras uh, lived and was teaching. And then uh, also something that's important to note is that many of the Greek thinkers, including Pythagoras, did actually go to Egypt to study at what were referred to as the Kemetic Mystery Schools, which were these ancient temple schools in, in Egypt. And so Temple degrees took 40 years to complete, which is a very cool, um, in numerology, 40 is a very cool number, um, 40 days and 40 nights. All of these Messiah stories have, you know, Jesus or Buddha going out into the desert for 40 days. It's this very um, foundational, ooh, my clock just hit two, two, two. Um, <laughs> I'm like, we got it. <laughs> got to call it out when we see it. Um, so 40 is like a very, four is the number of foundations and structures. So, um, it's a very foundational kind of container for transformation. Um, the number 40. So it works that that's how long it took to get a degree and none of the Greeks finished school. They all dropped out at various times. <laughs> okay. So, you know, may we all step forward in our lives with the confidence of Greek dropouts, Greek college dropouts. Um, and Pythagoras actually stayed the longest. He stayed 22 years, which is the number of the master builder. So, um, we, before we started recording this, we were already kind of chatting about that. Um, so he stayed the longest, but it's really interesting to like connect that lineage back um, to Egypt. But so I, I practice Pythagorean numerology, which is the most prominent in the West. And then there's also Chaldean numerology, which is still very prominent, um, which comes from Babylon and Babylonian thought. So 
same, same numbers, but totally different system of working with them. Uh, there's Chinese numerology, which is still the most prominent in the East. Uh, again, same numbers as you were saying, but different ways of working with them. So there are various different schools of thought. And I don't see just a lot of young people talking about numbers in the same way. So I think numerology is kind of up for a revolution in and of itself as we all move forward, maybe with Jupiter and Pisces and, you know, all these kind of spiritual modalities coming back into, into the zeitgeist. They already are, but hopefully even more. Um, but just for anyone Googling out there, there are various ways to get this information. Absolutely. And okay, speaking of that, this is something I kind of wanted to ask you. Um, you know, obviously in the past, like, it's been in the past five years, I feel like astrology has really become super, super trendy, trendy and same yeah. with tarot and numerology. I hope we kind of like get it trending or whatever, but at the same <laughs> time, yeah, like it, it isn't, it isn't quite as popular as tarot and astrology are at the moment. Um, so I guess from your perspective, we'll be talking about the basics of the life path numbers in this episode, but what, what do you think we can get out of numerology if we like already know our, our sun, moon rising, or like we already know our tarot life path card or whatever, like what does new numerology give us that can be kind of unique and what makes it worthwhile to look into? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, well, first of all, your tarot life path card comes from the same calculation that your life path would come from. So if you're adding your birthday all the way up, you know, spoiler alert, we'll get into this, but um, if you're adding your birthday until you get a single digit to find your life path card, then that is also your life path number. So one of the things um, that I think, I think a foundational numerology, like a foundational understanding of numerology, or at least the building block numbers really offer a lot because they also then can work in tandem with all of these other tools or modalities. So once you know the numbers, you can add that information into your tarot practice. You can add that information, you know, into your astrological practice, especially if you're looking at degrees or if you're looking at houses, like when we were talking about my eight life path, looking at the eighth house and all that encompasses, you know, all that's kind of thematically encompassed in the eighth house definitely imbues my understanding of, um, and fortifies and like validates to a certain extent, um, things that are very, um, heavy themes in my like predominant themes in my life that maybe I wouldn't have gotten if I was just looking at eight as understood by like by numerology or what, what my key concepts are for eight. So I think first and foremost, knowing the numbers is a foundation for all of these other practices to kind of amplify or like energize them in a different way. And then I think separate kind of on its own, 
first and foremost, I just have to keep going back to like how succinct it is. Like I work with clients who have never thought about numbers before in their life. They're like, I don't know about math. And I'm like, me neither. It's cool. Come on in. Let's chat it out. And I say like three things about the number and they're like, wow, yes, that's me. So there is something that really kind of, because, because they kind of just cut right to it. It's like, you don't, you don't need to understand the whole chart in order to get like right to the nugget of wisdom. That's going to be helpful. Or there's just something about numbers that kind of like slices past all of the other, um, all of the other work or all of the other story that you would need. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, that makes so much sense. And you know what I feel here's how I am tapping into my own question after hearing you speak too. <laughs> like there's something about like the seed of truth that like a number can hold. Um, and like, for me, like my chart, my natal chart, we can interpret it in many different complicated ways, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, like um, my life path being a nine, that's kind of like what my whole chart comes back to in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, like me being a, a double Pisces. Okay. Pisces is the final sign. My son is at nine degrees Pisces in the ninth house. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Like this, this nine thing really comes through for me. And um, even just, yeah, all, all of the themes of my chart, we could so uh, like not not to oversimplify it but like i we could definitely bring it back to like the meaning of the number 9 at least i believe that in a lot of ways yeah yeah and the the idea of like oversimplifying things i can't tell you how many times i've gone to my tarot deck and just quite literally i'm like can is there a card that says yes and is there a card that says no <laughs> or you know like can i i'm like sitting there and i'm like spirit i just need the answer or i need an answer just point me in the right direction and then of course i pull a card and my brain just goes everywhere i'm like let's start with the uh, meaning that i've learned and let's go then to the modern meaning <laughs> and like suddenly i'm down the rabbit hole of story and now i'm just confused i've forgotten my original question you know so i think that there is something really necessary especially because at the end of the day this is all, this is all divine information. So there, we always hit a point where we're like, we can't really explain it. It just is, or it isn't, you know, it works for you or it doesn't. But I think that there is something really nice about it being simple and it being straightforward that isn't always available, at least for me when I'm working with other tools. Mm, that is such a good point because sometimes and I see you do like the number of the day and there's numerology and every every day every minute every hour but even like even a simple calculation of what is today's number if and it's like oh it's a one day like knowing it's a one day feels yeah. very clarifying when we have this whole spread of 10 cards in front of us. And we're like, what do I do with today? Like, and it's just like, it's a one bitch. It's a one, like, just go, <laughs> right. Just do something, just <laughs> anything, do something. Yeah. And I, what I love too, about numerology is 
um, it does work with cycles, right? So we're always experiencing many cycles at the same time. We're very rarely trucking along, only experiencing one thing. And that's, you know, the beauty and the frustration of this thing we call life. So I don't want to oversell it. Like there are many numbers that you could look at. If you want all the numbers, you can have all the numbers. Like you said, you know, there are numbers for the year, the month, the day, uh, the hour, the minute I would, I, my brain could not, <laughs> I was like, I just could not. Um, but you, you absolutely could look at all of those numbers. So it, it is, you can get layered with it. And then you can start like when I'm doing the numerology of the day, I'll just use today, for example. So today we're recording this on the full moon eclipse in Taurus, uh, 1119. So it is a 1119 has three energy always consistently. And then if we add the year of 2021 to it, we get eight. So it's an eight specific day with like a little bit of three flavoring in there. And so we've been, or we've already been talking about eight. So eight is a number that is physical, right? If it's, if it's power and if it's embodiment, um, then a, if I know, okay, it's an eight day, I got to get into my body somehow. So that could be as simple as doing the dishes or as intricate as like doing some kind of ritual exercise or somatic therapeutic uh, meditation or something like that. But yeah, so immediately though, once you know, like the day and the themes, then you can action item it. you like, we'll just get somewhere really quickly. Totally. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I'm guessing if we wanted to give the listeners like the sort of, and you already did with the life path number a little bit, like the very like base lowdown of like, why should we know our life path number? What even is the life path number? And yeah. how do we find it? Give us, yes. give us the details on that. Okay. Well, first of all, dear listeners, I'm so sorry. I live in a New York apartment. The heat is on. If you hear wild banging, that's what it is. Um, okay. So when I look at anybody's chart and this will make sense because you now know I have a religious background. Um, I cheekily refer to it as the Holy Trinity of your chart. There are three numbers that I look at right off the bat that give me a really kind of overall understanding of um, where you're headed, you know, kind of what you're here to tussle with, where you are right now and how you show up for it. Um, so the first number is the life path. And this is obviously um, the center, kind of the center of anyone's chart. So the life path number is found by adding up all of the digits of your birthday until you get a single digit. So if you, it doesn't really matter how you do the math, just as long as you, if you get to a double digit number, you add those together just to get to that root. Um, and the life path is the overall like zoomed out long game of your life. So I don't think that we necessarily come here to like do our life path number. Yes, it can become actionable in many ways, but I think our life path number more works on us. Like we don't really work on it. It works on us. So by presenting us with um, invitations into growth and evolution, by thematically showing up, um, by kind of steering us in certain directions based on um, concepts that would be kind of under the umbrella of that number, 
but it's really like the zoomed out path that you are here walking and what energy. And then again, what archetype, um, if you, I work with archetypes in my practice, I know some don't, um, but it seems like a, still a, a way to kind of, um, get to something universal and specific for folks. So that's really the, the life path is like the most zoomed out view you can get of your overall life here and like the energies of, of that life path. Um, and then the other two numbers, which we won't go into in very much depth, but then when we're going through the numbers, if anybody who's listening wants to do these calculations, you'll have three numbers to listen for. Um, if we have zoomed out, then we also have zoomed in. So the yearly cycle. So any year that we're alive, we can find out what what cycle, what year we're cycling through, what number we're cycling through. And what's really interesting is that these come in groups of nine, just naturally, if you do the math, so you add the month and the day of your birth to whatever the current year is, um, to find out what year you're in now, then you'll find that once you get to nine, the next one will be a one and you'll start the cycle all over again. So then you can start to look at your life in these groups of nine year kind of chapters to see what stories are playing out. But if we're talking about all the way zoomed in yearly cycle is like, what are the current invitations? What's the energy or the themes that you will be coming into contact with in this year specifically? So zoomed out life path, zoomed in yearly cycle. And then the third number is your public persona, what I call the public persona. It's just the year, or excuse me, it's just the month and the date of your birth. So you'll share it with whoever has your birthday um, and it'll stay constant. And that's kind of your avatar. That's like how you show up in the world. It's the, it's a little bit performative, right? Because it's the you that people meet and interact with, um, but it's kind of the energy with with which you show up and, and play the game, so to speak. I love it. And can I just tell the listeners, okay, uh, Becca gave me a numerology reading last week and it literally blew my mind. And oh. it did it like as someone who's a, a nutcase and I check the astrology every hour and I'm like, I'm, cause I'm just, I'm just an astrologer, mind, body, soul. Like this is really what I love and I love to take it all in, but it really did give me a new perspective on just knowing like, okay, I'm in an eight year and hmm. November is a one month for me. And it, I think it really does prove in a way, well, in my subjective experience, it proves that, you know, like there's, there's medicine in just connecting with these numbers. So definitely for the listener, really um, calculate that life path number first and foremost, just adding the digits of your birth day, month, day, and year. Yep, uh, the whole thing. The whole thing. And, um, and yeah, really listen into the, the medicine of that number because it could give you some really interesting perspective on some of your life's challenges, but also maybe even what you're going through right now, because all of us have been in the dark night of the soul for a couple of years now during this uh, pandemic pandemonium panini press that we've been in. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also um, before we meet them, like the yearly cycle shows us, we cycle through every single number many times over in our lifetime. So Yes, there are numbers that are going to be very specific to you that are going to be um, unique and prominent in your life, but I think that getting to know them all can be really potent. So this is, 
I mean, you're already listening to this. You're going to listen to them all, but (laughs) it's like, um, you know, if, if you're tempted to only listen out for the number that means something to you, you're going to meet them all in your lifetime. So the awareness is helpful. It's kind of like, you can't learn astrology and just zoom in on your sun sign. Like you got like actually know the power of your sun sign. You need to also tune into all 12 of the Zodiac signs and see how they're all connected. So um, I like this idea of really meeting all of the numbers and seeing how you react to each personality. Yeah. Uh, so does it feel good? Um, do you usually start with one or nine? Like, where do you usually start? <laughs> I do usually start with one. Um, it feels very do re me of me. Um, but I love that you asked that because, so you'll see as we go through them that they do really build into one another. And so, uh, you can track kind of the journey of, of the soul, like through these numbers, but I will say that the, the numbers that I find to be actually the closest together in like experientially is is one and nine are one and nine. Um, because if you move spiralically instead or cyclically, instead of in a line, then one and nine actually touch one another. So once you get to nine, it starts over again, you know, they, they smooch a little bit. So, um, I think one, one is the beginning. So it is the perfect place to start, but, but I love that you're like, I'm a nine through and through. Would you like to start there? I'm like, I'm like being like the the advocate for like the Pisces and the nines who are like, we always have to wait last to get our horoscopes, but no, no, you know, let's do your thing though. We'll do one. I promise that the nine is accounted for in the beginning as well. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be worth it. Listeners just we'll hit it out of the park once we get to nine, but we'll, we'll start with one (laughs) for pressure. Yeah. Okay. So starting with one straight out the gate. So one is what I call the trailblazer. All other names could be the pioneer, um, the independent, the individual. You're probably already kind of getting some of the juice of one already just through those names. Um, But one is really the number of the beginning and the self. So it's again, the number of independence of getting started. And I speak about one, especially if um, people are, looking at their life path number of one being an energy that is a very like intuitive closed loop system. So one is a bit of a paradox in and of itself because, and this is where the nine comes in. One is the individual, but it's also the all it's also the collective. So we already in one have this inherent, like, it's not just single, it is all as well. If if we think of unity or, or being unified, so here it lies, you know, the, the rub that it's not just us. If you think the magician in the tarot, it's us and spirit, it's us and um, divine, it's us and the universe. So it is this kind of closed loop system of people on one life paths do need to keep it really self-focused. They need to be the most important opinion in the room, their own room. You know, they need to be um, who they are looking to. They need to be their own authority. They need to be the one who um, it's always kind of coming back into them and their connection to higher power ancestors, you know, whoever it is that they, that they work with. So our, our trailblazers are 
usually pretty great leaders, maybe not always great teammates, you know, don't, don't always work well with others. So it is kind of forging this energy of like forging their own path, probably will do many new things over the course of their life, kind of like a manifester in, in human design. It's like, you can be initiating, you can be starting new things. You don't always have to be the one to, to finish the project or, or to keep it um, generating, so to speak. So if you, if a, a one, if a trailblazer is in a position of leadership, they might want to get really good at delegating, you know, delegating tasks out to those who they think could be helpful um, because that's another kind of, that's a pitfall for the number one is this, I got to do it all by myself. Um, I have to, you know, my way or the highway comes in. So all things to kind of be in a healthy way, like checking yourself on. Um, but one can be a little, a little tricky because you won't have a map. You won't have a model. You will, will really just have to kind of go it alone. And, um, like, I think go your own way by Fleetwood Mac is like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect song for a one, a trailblazer. Cause it, it's true. You just one foot in front of the other and you just start. So um, at like a very high vibe, the trailblazer life path is really here to light the spark that will illuminate the world that will really um, like enlighten and illuminate things for, for the collective, but on a very low vibe, it can be an isolated or um, pessimistic or self-serving individual who kind of can't see outside of their own experience. Ooh, totally. It's interesting because as you were talking, like I was thinking about like a karmic, maybe a karmic lesson for a one person is realizing that like they have a domino effect on others. And mm. like if they, and spirit was showing me dominoes while you were talking about this. So like if you are a domino and you are in alignment with yourself and you're grounded in your own energy, when you then knock down the other dominoes around you, it'll be in a good way. Cause it's like, mm. it's like that butterfly effect of like, okay, I'm making an impact on you now and they're making impact on them and et cetera, et cetera. But then if the one is not really aware of just how much power they can have, the, they might be like knocking down the dominoes in like a really destructive way or like in an out of alignment way, or maybe even not making an impact on the other dominoes. And right. Just like falling the other direction and yeah. <laughs> everything else is standing. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what I would, what, what I mean. Yeah. So uh, this is really interesting for sure. I love that visual. I love that visual. And it's so true because the one really can only, you can only control yourself. And you can only control like what you do, but it is a very influential energy because it's the spark. So once they kind of spark, then you're right. There is a domino effect or the flame catches fire or, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, it is a very influential and um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like contagious energy in a way. Yeah. But if that one, you're right. Like if the one is not is not centered or is not, it, it all comes down to motivation, right? If they're like, yeah, if it's kind of like a gross motivation that could also catch fire too, for sure. Okay. Love it. <laughs> 
Do you have any um, last words about ones when it comes to like clients that you've seen who are ones? Like what mm. has been like their challenge or like, do you see a lot of ones that are like entrepreneurs or like doing their own thing or I don't know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I actually do work with quite a lot of one clients. They've been finding me, which I think is really funny. Um, <laughs> but also like if anybody's looking to identify or individualize themselves, it would be the one. Um, <laughs> they'd be like, please talk to me about me for two hours. <laughs> um, but I think something that's interesting about the one is like, um, we talk about leadership and then we think that the one has to be the face of something. And actually this isn't true for trailblazers. Um, you don't need to be right out in front. You just need to be true to yourself. So um, there are many instances of prominent trailblazers who are not the face of whatever it is that they were working on, um, but they were very influential to the point of like maybe calling the shots, just not being out in front. Um, so a lot of trailblazers that I have worked with are like, I don't really want to be seen. I don't vibe with, I'm not outgoing. I'm not any of these things. And it's like, yeah, that's, um, that's a, a, a preconceived notion about one is that they would be like the star of something, but it's actually like you were talking about, it's way more about influence and it's way more about kind of being the first domino to knock things down um, than it is being like the prominent face of something. Yeah, it's kind of like a Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and then, okay, so now I'm thinking, when the one turns into two, now we're talking about how we're like in harmony with others. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if one is the self, then two is the other. So two is the archetype of the peacemaker is what I call it. Oh. It could also be the diplomat. It could also be, um, the, big feeler, you know, <laughs> the, the, um, I don't have other names for this, but, um, key concepts for two. So it's the next, right. If one is the start, then two is the next. Um, it's also the other. So now we are external. We're outside of ourselves, which actually, um, this is interesting. So a lot of theory about odds and even numbers, like the difference between odds and evens, um, has always been gendered. It's always been odds are masculine evens are feminine. And then, you know, we tie in all of our like masculine means action and uh, aggression or, um, you know, fill in the blanks and feminine means receptive and soft and, and all of those things. Um, I'm not interested in using gender in my work anymore as a whole. I don't think the numbers are gendered. I don't think we need to do that to them. Um, so when I feel into what is the difference between odds and evens, it actually transfers from like an internal to an external experience. Ooh. So the odd numbers are internal experiences, right? One is the self that happens inside, <laughs> inside of us. We get to know ourselves internally. Then when two, we flip that energy out and now it's external. It has to do with the other. Um, and I find this to be true kind of as we waffle back and forth through odds and evens for the rest, um, just something to keep in mind as we're talking about them. So now in two, we're in this external, this external situation. So we're experiencing things with others. So what do we experience? Connection, love, relationships, 
Um, two is the number of diplomacy, how we work together, right? Collaboration, co-creation, cooperation, all of these words together. Um, it's also the number of kindness and compassion, how we want to be working with others from a heart center. Um, and of course, it is a, it's an emotional number. So it's the first number that kind of lives in the body. Um, it's big feelings, it's emotions, it's everything that that goes into love. So a peacemaker life path um, at the like very highest vibe. These are people who are really searching for patterns. So connecting the dots um, in ways that will reveal to us how to be in better relationship with one another, how to live together, how to work together, um, how to love one another. But then Oh, so two also, if we're talking about um, ways in which we work together, then we're also talking about choice, right? We have options now, we can choose. Um, we're also talking about debate. Um, conflict comes into play. I think one thing, you think another, you know? So on the other side of this coin, now we have disagreement, we have conflict, we have um, choice. So on a like low vibe, peacemakers can be pretty conflict averse, right? If you really want to keep the peace or make the peace, actually make the pieces more interesting to me because then that might not be true. That might not be true to what the situation needs, but they have this real desire to make peace, like make sure it happens. Um, so can be constantly crossing their own boundaries in order to please others or kind of make it okay. So these are the ones who would just like to wave a magic wand. I mean, I can't, everyone just get along kind of, kind of vibe for our peacemakers. Yeah. Oh, I can see definitely coming into the, this lifetime with a two frequency. I could see how relationships become especially important. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, maybe I'm making this up, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of twos had like really um, profound experiences watching their parents be in relationship mm -hmm. for better or for worse. Um, you know, maybe some twos really had a, a very like, uh, yeah, profound experience of watching their parents get divorced or even watching their parents be in love forever or whatever. And just like kind of having that be a question kind of swirling around their whole life. Like, how do I be in relationship with another person when this wasn't modeled for me or whatnot? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's such a good insight because if the one is internal and going, okay, I don't need a map or a model. I just do, I go and I trust my instincts. The two is not doing that. They're constantly looking outside of themselves for the model, for the map. So that's such a good insight, like looking, it's not just the other, but it's, it's looking to the other to show me or to tell me how to be, you know, how to live, like looking outside of themselves. So then yes, there would be a lot of, a lot of work. And especially because two, so two energy is super, all of these energies are really potent, but you do have to keep in mind where they lie kind of on the journey. So two is at the very beginning, like two of cups, that's the first date. Like we're not getting married here in the two, you know? Um, but at the same time, it can feel very, if you're a two life path, um, it can feel very big and you have to keep reminding yourself, like I'm actually at at the second step, like I'm very early on in the journey. So there might be a lot of, um, a lot of work around 
maturing into relationships, looking for the right kinds of models outside of yourself, learning to self-validate, like all of the one lessons have to be learned by the two. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And even one more thing on the two, like knowing um, that one of like the archetypes is the diplomat. I'm thinking about what the diplomat actually does. And the diplomat is someone who bridges two cultures together. Um, And it's so easy to think that like peacemaking is avoiding conflict, but it's not like peacemaking is actually bringing people into a greater understanding of each other and Mm -hmm. even even allowing for some conflict. Um, This is kind of a silly example, but um, I don't know if I ever told you this, Becca, my listeners know, because I'm an annoying study abroad kid energy, but after college, I did teach English in Malaysia for a year. And um, there is this thing where I, at the time, was a vegetarian, and a lot of the other teachers, American teachers that were in my program, they um, they were like, oh, I'm just going to eat meat here because I don't want to offend anybody or whatever. And I was like, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? No, like that doesn't feel aligned with me. I think this is a really good learning opportunity for everyone because none of my students have ever met a vegetarian before. They don't really Hmm. understand it. So this could be a good, a good opportunity here for me to bridge some conflict. And at first, oh, everybody was like, why, why, why don't you eat chicken? Why eat?" And then by the end of the school year, oh, you should have seen when I walk into the cafeteria, everybody was like, Mal doesn't eat meat. Like they like completely (sighs) understood it. They even like, they were on top of it. Like they look at my plate, they'd be like, okay, yeah, no, no meat, no meat. (laughs) And um, I just, I don't know, that's kind of a silly example of like diplomat energy in the sense of like how a two, if they're willing to embrace the conflict, it could be really influential. Not that I'm talking about this moment being influential, but in a in a very such an influencer, such yeah. an influencer <laughs> at my, <laughs> my Malaysian school in in, in the East Coast of Malaysia. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I don't know. I, there's just something there about not giving in to the fear of conflict can be really um, I don't know rewarding in some way. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's not a silly example at all. It's actually a beautiful example in ways that, that maybe you weren't even thinking about because it's not just about, um, what does it take to bridge the gap? Right. We're not saying uh, two is not saying we must be in agreement. It's saying we must find a way to be in really respectful disagreement with one another. (laughs) So, right. Like it's about kindness and compassion and respect and understanding. And so that does not mean we are the same. It it's two, one, two. So it's not saying we must find a way to be unified. It's we must be able to be each person who we are with our own thoughts, feelings, traditions, beliefs, practices, um, but coexist with one another in a way that is still respectful and compassionate. So you didn't turn everyone into vegetarians, but by the end of the year, they were so accepting and respectful of your views that they actually took it upon themselves to make sure that 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 was happening for you. 
Right. You know, yeah. this, this makes me feel like I hope some twos are listening because like in this current political climate, like we, I think we need twos more than, well, not more than anybody else, but we need you twos to step into your power here. <laughs> please, please. Yeah. We need twos and we need, we need 11s, which are also twos, one and oh, one. Good, good. Point. So we do need this energy for sure. Yeah. Well, take it, take us to three, take us. Okay. So once we get out of two, right, we're then we're still kind of one self two other, but we're still a little bit ethereal. So three, we get into the physical, we are, we are birthed, so to speak. So three is the archetype of the communicator, which already gives a lot away. Um, three is the number of language. So if one self two other than three, how do we talk about it? Right. How do we connect with one another? Um, language is also what human beings have evolved into being able to use, um, you know, this physical vocal language. So three is all about communication and it's all about creativity. And it's a, a it's the literal number of magic. Uh, if you think about, there is an, an actual writing concept called the magic rule. And it's the idea that things are more inherently satisfying when they come in groups of three. So that's why you have your trinities, um, you know, your three little pigs, your Harry, Ron and Hermione's, <laughs> your um, life path, yearly cycle of public persona. Um, it's also why comedians will set up a joke with two lines and then land the punch on the third. Um, so it's an actual like structure that seems to just work for people. Um, also, if you are into Joseph Campbell or the hero's journey or the fool's journey in tarot, it's 12 steps and 12 is three. So you think about the 12 signs of the Zodiac, the 12 um, months of the year, these are all telling full stories, like whole completed stories. And it's the number of three. So this is all about expression. And we know that our communicators who are able to kind of tap into the universal, it somehow makes it like, if you're able to share your own authentic experience, it, even though it's, it's unique to you, it expresses something universal that, that other people can, can say, oh yeah, I see myself in that or, or me too. Um, so on like a very high vibe, our communicators are really kind of delightful, like buoyant entertainers who really do capture the human essence in their creations. So these are your artists, your writers, your singers. Um, it doesn't have to be, of course, you know, we're not only delegating you to the arts. Um, I just read for a communicator who is multilingual and works in business, but speaks many different languages and how interesting that they would have to um, code switch or always be translating um, as, as they're working, you know, have, having to think about what they're saying to certain people based on the language that they're using. This is Gus. This is my dog. He's very needy. Um, he's always around. He's just a very small baby who doesn't have a life of his own. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this, sorry, you missed the visual, but that's okay. Um, follow me on the gram. There's plenty of him to go around. <laughs> Um, so yeah, on the high vibe, it's like really capturing something with their, um, with their creations or with their expressions. 
a very low vibe. If this is birth energy, this is fire energy, right? So um, these are your hot heads. <laughs> I think about the Empress a lot, how like the Empress has a temper. Um, you know, these are your hot heads who like really actually struggle to find their voice, who struggle to give voice to their needs, um, who really don't know how to show up in the world authentically as themselves, who always kind of feel like they're just missing the mark or not. Oh, it's 303 on my clock right now. Um, <laughs> You know, so it can, it can be a frustrating journey for folks who have not yet figured out how to connect to that throat chakra or how to connect with themselves in order. Cause again, it's an internal experience. So this is now asking the question of who am I and how can I share that with people? Mm, yeah. That's three. That's beautiful. I love that. I, my, um, what's the persona number called again? Oh, the public persona. I yeah. think I think my public persona is a three. I um, think you are too. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I do. I do relate to that in the sense that like it's very, it's I'm not a three at my roots, but it's very easy for me to perform a, at a three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and just how you meet the world, right? So you one of the ways in which you are interacting with the world is through spoken word. Uh, that is like the most three vibe you can get, you know, here I am. Um, most, I know you do a lot of interviews, but I'm sure you do some episodes by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, here's just me and my microphone talking, <laughs> authentically expressing myself based on my interests and hoping that somebody will listen. Very right. Funny. Right. One more thing that's kind of coming through for three as we're sitting on this is the feeling of, um, like getting to the root of what are, what is beneath language and beneath mm. words. And I'm getting like maybe threes in, in general, maybe they have some karmic lessons, not only with like how they communicate, but also like um, what is beneath that? Like if you say mm. one thing and mean the other, or if you're people pleasing or lying about what actually is going on with you or if um your partner says one thing and you say okay great and then you do another like there feels like there's some communication like mishaps in a three life paths kind of vibe <laughs> Yeah. So language is trickster magic, right? Yes. It, it always misses the mark consistently. Right. And if you think about words, like I love thinking about words that have been um, reclaimed by marginalized communities. Like I identify as queer and I know that there are people out here uh, maybe listening, but definitely in the world who think about queer as a slur and they just cannot separate that word um, from its old it's old meaning, but that's like evolution, baby, in, in, in full effect, right? Here's a word that meant one thing. And we have now, we're going to take that back and we're going to use that same word. It's going to mean something else now. And we're going to find a different feeling um, in that word. So we can think of the, the evolution of words, um, how we need new words, how the words we use. I've even said it like in this, I'm like, oh, that's not exactly the right word, but you get the idea because language is trying to take something that is not physical and make it physical, make it finite, um, grab the essence of it. And so it's totally trickster magic and it doesn't always work. And I think what you said was so insightful about, um, 
a communicator also, if we're talking about authentic expression, we also have to look at the flip side, what's inauthentic expression, right? What, how, how could a communicator very cleverly work with language in a way to say, like, not all, not only lie, but also kind of, um, say half truths or how could they twist words into, oh, you think they mean one thing, but they actually mean another. I don't know. Yeah. There's some like juicy, definitely juicy trickster magic in there for sure. Oh yeah. Words are spells. Words are They are. Yeah. Careful. (laughs) Careful everyone. (laughs) And okay. So I can see now. So if the three is like communication and building our yeah, our lines of communication with one another. I can see why four then would be like, okay, we're ready to solidify some stuff now. Like we're, yes. Yeah. So when I talk about three in a yearly cycle, I tell people to throw spaghetti at the wall. Three is the year up and out, be a volcano, like be a creative volcano and just spit everything up and out (laughs) um, that you can, because we, uh, anybody who, deals, I mean, we all deal with flow, right? The flow state, that coveted flow state. Um, It doesn't happen all the time and it doesn't happen for very long or for very often. So three is pretty much magic flow state, can be, or the opposite, like dead on arrival. But um, if we're thinking about it in flow state, then everything that comes through, just jot it down, throw that spaghetti on the wall. Um, Don't, pay much mind to the actual structure of it because that will come next year in the four year. Um, But if you're editing, like if four is editing, um, you can't do that while you're creating, right? You just have to let it flow. There has to be a first draft in order for you to go back through. So four um, is the archetype of the salt of the earth. That's what I call it. Um, And (laughs) um, it's all about foundations and structures. It's about systems. Um, It's really about building, right? These are your natural born builders. They're the ones who say, let's take all of the spaghetti and let's give it structure. Let's give it foundation. Let's build upon it. Um, Four is also the number of traditions and beliefs. So if you're thinking foundations, then that also means roots. So it like fourth house in astrology, you're looking at your childhood home. A lot of fours have like really, um, I will use the generic word intense, um, really intense childhoods. That that could mean a lot of different things. That could mean really great. It could also mean like really if rigid or disciplined um, parents. It could also mean the opposite. Like they had totally unstructured parents um, and they really were children who were like craving. But there, there's, there tends to be something that happened in childhood that was very formative for four life paths that they then have to deal with in order to do things in their own way as they mature into their own caretakers, into their own adults. Um, something else about the four is that like I said, it's if it's editing, right? After creation, you then get editing. These are your people who go through things with a fine-toothed comb, which also lends a quite a critical lens to things. So these are your critics. Um, these are your people who have very strong opinions about how things should go or should not go. Um, so on a very like high vibe with four, you are looking at folks who just seem to magically build, who magically create ways of being that are really supportive for all, that really um, 
like four on a hot, on the highest vibe knows that there is enough of everything for everyone. And if that doesn't ring true, it's because someone is holding on to too much or there isn't equity. There isn't equality here. Like those are all very, um, four themes. If you think of the square, right. Being four equal lines. Um, so they build containers that are supportive for people. A low vibe of a four is blindly kind of following their own plans just down a road that leads to nothing or that isn't supportive, um, that doesn't help anyone. Um, folks who are like, do not question what it is that I'm building. And then they present it and people are like, yeah, that's not going to work. Like it doesn't even match the specifications that we asked for. Um, so, you know, someone who's very like tunnel visioned, um, not fully interested in outside voices or opinions who, because if you have on the one hand four is very, um, like fluid and supportive, then you also have stubborn and rigid on the other side. Yeah, I get, I feel that I feel that in this number. And I mean, of course it's important for everybody on this planet to do some kind of self-parenting, like reparenting kind of work, but it feels especially important for the four to really work on that because I feel like if the four is not careful, that whole like building of the foundation and like all of that stuff that the four does, um, it could be built on like a false value system or like an egoic based value system. And I could actually see ironically the four having a lot of tower moments being like, mm. oh shit, I built that. It wasn't aligned with my values or like, mm. oh, shit, like that actually wasn't, um, I made the container, but once I made the container, I realized it wasn't the right container, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So one of my primary caretakers is a double four life path and public persona. So this is information I'm offering from my own observational experience. Um, if, if the work is not done to kind of overcome what was, what happened in childhood, which you're so right. It's like, I built the wrong thing. Um, it's just outdated software. Like that's a good way to think about it is like you spend all of this time creating a worldview that's operating from faulty, like a faulty operating system. Um, that's either somebody else's opinion or your own trauma, like your own pain gets to lead the charge instead of, right? Like if you think of high vibe four is there's enough of everything for everyone then a low vibe for is like, there's not enough and there's not even enough for me. And so back up everyone who like ever is trying to get to me, like you can't have what is mine. Um, so I think you bring up a really good point of fours just needing to be aware of what the, it, what is motivating them to build. And yeah, if they're not their own values, their own beliefs, um, and interrogating those values and those beliefs. Again, information for everyone, but definitely for a four. Ooh, I love it. Um, and I'm now really excited to see what the fives have in store, because at least when I think of the fives in the tarot, I'm like, oh man, like the five, when we get a five in the tarot, like 
we're working through something like there's a level yeah. in the video game that we have to get past. So I'm excited to hear what the five life path number is here to do. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if four, right. Cause these all build on each other. So if four is where we build the boat. Then five is where we put it on water and we test it. So five is the change maker. So if you are somebody who has built, and this is good for all fours to know too, like if you've built um, your whole system on faulty foundations, don't worry in the five, you can change that. <laughs> so um, five is a number that I think gets a bad rap because it can be very intense. It's a very physical experience. It is, um, it is fun and it is freedom, right? It is like true five is like true liberation energy. It's breakthrough energy, but in order to break through something, you have to hit the wall. So it is the messy middle. It is change, sudden and unexpected change, which is not my favorite thing. I don't know about you. Um, it is contraction, right? Uh, it is the test. It is seeing if the boat sinks or floats, which means you have to be engaging with the physical world. So the way that the five learns is through physical experience. So people on five life paths do not sit on the sidelines. They are in the soup. They are in the messy middle. They are, you know, tussling with the world. So it can be a very chaotic um, experience. Five lives in the stomach and in the gut. So pesky butterflies, but also like deep nausea and um, just all of, all of the churning. I just think about churning when I think about five energy um, and I'm a five public persona. So I love change in a, in the, in an ethereal world, you know, the physical aspects of change are, are definitely not my vibe, but I've moved every couple of years. I like to travel, you know, I see all these five themes and I think that five really is, um, upper, the, the energy of opportunity, but you have to meet it and you have to weather the storm in order to get it. Um, so I'm like a really high vibe. These change maker types take the wisdom that they have gained through their experiences and they really put it to action in ways that better the world, um, that really fight for change. This is activist energy for sure. And a low vibe, um, fear, 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 <laughs> fear. <laughs> um, fear that life will really pass them by unless they like take their destinies into their own hands. So I see a low vibe five as like really gripping tightly to the rope instead of kind of just letting it um, rest in their hands and, and using it when they need to. And, um, as like supportive, but also if you're gripping too tight to the rope and the rope gets yanked, you get yanked. Um, so there is something, there's like an open hands metaphor that I love when, when working with the five, because you have to be flexible. You have to be, um, you have to allow yourself to really grow and change with it. You can't be too rigid. You can't be too close palms with it or too afraid to get in the game. Right. Right. Okay. Can I say as, as you're talking, I'm yeah. like, as a nine, as a life past nine, I feel like I help people through the frequency of five. Yeah, totally. 
I feel like my whole life is five, but it's not my five. It's other people's fives, which yes, you get what I'm saying. Am I speaking? Yeah, a hundred percent. You're totally speaking my language because nine is the end. So you're like, I'm, and nine is also about wisdom through experience, right? Because you've experienced everything. So you're like, now I sit here at the end and I will tell you, like, you are literally the person who's like, it gets better. Stay the course, stick it out, you know? five is the middle, right? So we, you go back or you go forward. Those are your choices. Um, my favorite five, nine blend is a uh, star Wars. So I'm a huge star Wars fan. I'm going to really nerd out on this moment. Yoda is a nine and Luke Skywalker is a five in empire okay. strikes back. And Yoda is like patience, young one stay, let me teach you the ways. And Luke is like, yeah, this has been great, but my friends need me. I really, I think I got it. Like <laughs> I'm ready to tap out. I'm re- like, I'm ready to get in the game and, and do the thing. And I'm just saying that if five had the patience of nine, maybe Luke would have both of his hands. Always something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. Um, intuitively what comes through for me as I'm listening to you talk about five, two, is um, the concept of like self-avoidance and the activity mm. that we can partake in in, uh, in sort of unconscious self-avoidant behaviors. And I'm thinking about how some fives, if they catch themselves, like, you know, is this just for fun? Like, am I having fun or is this actually, like, am I avoiding something? That feels like a five kind of challenge. Okay. My public persona feels very called out at the moment. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, immediately I thought about busyness and distraction. Right. Yeah. And like, if you are somebody who has a lot of five energy, you like to switch it up, right? You don't want to be too stagnant. Um, but at the same time, if you just like Luke wanted to skip class and go straight to, um, the juicy, um, battle. It's like, if you, you can fill your schedule up so that you are constantly moving, but really you are avoiding the thing that you're not like not doing. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. Totally. I love it. Okay. Um, should we jump into six? We should. The last thing, and this will take us from five to six is I just want everyone listening to have this awareness that 2021 two plus two plus one has been a five year. So collectively speaking, globally speaking, we've been in five energy for all of 2021, sudden unexpected change and contraction. So we've been hitting the wall quite literally as a collective the whole year. Um, So even if you're just hearing this for the first time, allow this to connect dots for you. (laughs) Allow this to be like, oh, okay. That is what we've been doing this whole year. Um, Because I think that we definitely are in the messy middle of a lot of things right now. And so we're going to be moving into six energy in 2022. And I think the fact that 2022, we get our six from 222, Um, is actually a good omen. Like I want to believe that it's a very beautiful omen because two is the number of love and relationships. And, um, and so six is the archetype of the nurturer. So already we're moving into much different energy and hopefully much smoother waters. Even if this is just the breather, if it's just the break or the rest or the chance to catch your breath, 
after five, which is always tumultuous. Um, six is all about gentle and generous caretaking. It is wow. about, yes. I'm like, please. I want to just call it out to it's two, 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 my time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Right, I love it. Two, two, two twos in this episode. Okay. <laughs> we got two of them. And also what a genius way to talk about the finite and the infinite possibilities of numbers. Okay. So we use numbers in very concrete ways to be like, this is, but time is not real. It is a different time on your clock than it is on my clock. And yet here we are sharing the same moment. So it, yes, it is finite, but it also is infinite. And like, yes, it is concrete, but it is also the most fluid being in the world. So beautiful blend of um, we can calculate this. We cannot calculate, (laughs) we cannot calculate this. Um, yes. Okay. So six, six, um, six is another number of love. Totally love of self, love of others, um, how we are loving up on ourselves and our community. It's the number of family of responsibility. Oh, that's chosen and blood. However you define family is how you is beautiful. How you define family. Um, it's also the number of responsibility and accountability and boundaries, right? We're now, we're not at the two, we are graduated. We're graduated to the six. So um, we're through the messy middle. We are now onto the second half of things. We've grown a little bit. And so now we're actually looking at what does it take from ourselves and others to be in healthy relationship with one another so that we all may blossom and bloom and grow. So five is contraction, six is expansion. So on a very high vibe, six um, nurturers are creating spaces where everyone is safe. Safety is a big thing um, to express, to feel, and to experience themselves in community with others. A very low vibe nurturer (laughs) is somebody who overextends, who gives too much, who has no boundaries with themselves or others, and then who in turn can experience burnout or callousness or resentment, right? It's like they don't know when to stop giving. And so now they've given too much and they have nothing left to give and they're very angry about it. (laughs) Um, So those are kind of our, that's the general vibe of six. Okay. It reminds me of the sixth house in astrology, which is kind of coincidental. Um, And I often tell people in a very gentle way, but I think people (laughs) who have a lot of sixth house placements or any sixth house placement, I don't care what the planet is, what the sign is. Sometimes that sixth house placement can carry this martyring vibe. Mm. Because if we think about the meaning of the sixth house in astrology, it's how we use our time. It's also our health and our work life and our schedule stuff. But really, it's like, what do we do with our time and how does it affect my health? So like there's something about that six vibe that's like, okay, you're here to be this really high frequency leader. And you're really you have the responsibility of holding space for these groups. And that's beautiful. But if your health is suffering or like you're burnt out and you still continue to like do all this stuff for others, it's really not for others. It's for your own ego. Right. Cause then it's like, Mm. you know, then it's ego kind of um, padding of 
like, oh, I'm just doing all this stuff because I need to help and I need to, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So I actually, um, I use the martyr for nine, but six and nine are connected numbers. Um, and, and so uh, absolutely it gets to stand here as well. Um, and, and that, that quality of like denying the needs of the self and for the other, um, but then it, it doesn't work for the other. So it's actually self-serving. I love that insight. I use the oxygen mask metaphor when I talk to sixes. I'm like, you have to put your mask on first before you help others put their masks on. Because if you cannot breathe, then you cannot help anyone breathe. <laughs> you know, you can't help anyone else breathe. So it absolutely is this um, this vibe of like, it feels counterintuitive to a nurturer to be doing things for themselves first. Because again, we're an, we're back in an, even number. So we're back in external energy. We're focused on the, on the outside world, but if you can't do it for yourself first, then you don't have a full cup to pour from. So yeah, all, all of those. Love it. Sixes hit us up and let us know. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Tell me how your boundaries are sixes. (laughs) Um, that's okay. We'll all be getting and, and for everyone listening, those are the themes of next year. So I think as we are expanding, you will have to think about um, if I had any advice, which I will have much advice to give in the next few months, but um, if I have any advice going into 2022, it's that as we're expanding outwards again and um, kind of experiencing some relief, what are the things from the last two years that worked for you that you actually have to keep? that you must keep. The outside world is going to have something to say about it, but how can you set that boundary? How can you protect yourself and give to yourself what you need first and foremost? Right. Yeah. Self-care isn't over. You know, it's like, no way. Like, it's actually going to get more intense. Yeah. Let, yeah. yeah. Also, I'll have, you know, <clears throat> I have my, um, I have my TI-84 calculator with me today. Bless you. And Bless you. I, <laughs> I just used it to double check and calculate my crush's um, life path number, and it is a seven. So, <laughs> okay, well, let that lead get us. ready. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I never wanted to see one of those ever again, um, but it, I'm happy to see it. <laughs> I literally, I'll have everybody know. And if you're listening on the podcast, I am holding up a TI-84 calculator. Um, I literally use this to do, to calculate my client's ages. So I'll be like 2021 minus 1936. And then it's like, so, cause I cannot do that kind of mental math. So, you know, the calculator is still with me here. Me neither. Me neither. So I didn't say this up front, but I will. In addition to me being terrible at math, um, I always use a calculator for the simplest equations. Always, always, always. There is no shame in this calculator game, right? It's it's fine. Um, The tools exist, use them is my philosophy. Okay, so seven, speaking about intensity. Seven is the seeker. Okay, so now we've expanded. And now we have a lot of questions. So seven is the archetype of the seeker, of somebody who is looking that there is action here, but it's internal. We're back in the odds. So now we've flipped our, um, like flipped our script a little bit 
And we're now in the pool of questions and analysis. And I don't say answers. And I say that for a very particular reason, because I don't think that seeker energy or seven energy is actually all that bothered with the answer. The juice of it lies in the quest. It lies in the finding of it. Um, so actually sometimes when seekers come across answers, they can find themselves oddly dissatisfied because that means that the journey has ended or they've come to a point where they can go no further. And they're like, huh? Okay. So if I'm working with seekers, um, and I, and and especially around areas of their life where they have been um, in, you know, in the proverbial dark for a long time, just kind of coming to clarity. I always say, once you get to that clarity, whatever that means for you, let yourself be in that moment just a little bit longer than feels comfortable for you. Because if you bypass it to just dig into the next question, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, like, let yourself enjoy the answer. Um, so questions and analysis. Seven is also the number of spirituality. It's faith, it's mystery, it's diving into the pool. Um, it's also the number of secrets, what is seen and what is unseen, what is known, what is unknown. So it's really like, we're, we're not on an underworld journey yet. That's, um, well, we are, we're, we're starting to go on our underworld journey here for sure. Um, but really it's evolution through spiritual or esoteric knowledge. So a lot of seekers are spiritually minded, um, whether they are astrologers, you know, outward with it or, or it's private. Um, so at a very like high vibe, these seekers are doggedly searching for unity, for understanding, um, kind of what, how grappling with all of the big questions of life, but in a way that feels very curious and juicy on the low level though, it can really be like, um, a dog with a bone energy of like chewing on the same thing over and over and over again. It can get very rigid, very close-minded, like very looping, um, and, and really kind of set, set in their ways and like frustrated by the lack of understanding, you know, like, uh, I, there aren't even words. It's like that choked up energy that I feel in my throat when a seeker is just like very frustrated. Yeah. I'm like relating this to like, the 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 kind of idea of like someone who's like backpacking around the world and like in like the highest frequency of that they're like learning and they're 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 not searching like you said there is no answer but they're really like sitting with the locals and they're getting to know people and they're uh, they're yeah meeting people with that they have really fruitful relationships with and they're seeing these things that's really lighting them up or there's like that other frequency of like the southeast asia backpacker which i'm a i'm a uh, i'm a hypocrite because i've been a southeast asian backpacker before but like the southeast asian backpacker who just like wanders the streets of like wherever like vietnam and you're like what are you doing with your life like what are you like are you making a difference like like what are you like what is this like no judgment oh, that's so about. interesting but like you can tell like i think even with the travelers like when they lose their like purpose or they're like aha mm. like why are we doing this and they just start aimlessly wandering that reminds me of seven 
Yeah. Yes. Um, the losing purpose can be really hard for a seven because if they're led by a question, that is a purpose, right? Like that's what is leading their quest. I have to know this, or I have to understand this. So when that goes out the window or gets a little lost in the dark, um, then yes, it can be very like, now you're the wanderer (laughs) instead of the seeker. You're not seeking something. You're kind of just wandering around. Um, that also makes me think so seven, this is more of a Chinese technique. Um, but you can get into like the energies of each number based on a mental, emotional, or practical and seven is a practical number. So it's very much one foot in front of the other. I'm, this must make sense to me. Um, it is a very practical number. And so, but it's, it's needing to be practical while also surrendering to the path itself. It's um, in the hero's journey. The seventh step is approaching the innermost cave. So you're in the forest. You don't know what is in the cave, but you have to walk into the cave. Um, So there's that question answer. Like you don't know what's waiting for you on the other side, but you have to do it. And so it, it can just be a very practical notion of one foot in front of the other. You know, you're driving in fog. That's okay. You just slow down. It doesn't mean you stop. You just slow down, you go as far as you can see. And then as you move, you'll have more visibility um, down the road Uh, or you won't, you only need to see as far as you need to see to keep walking. So yes to the wanderer vibes of seven for sure. Beautiful. Um, Now let me ask you as an eight, do you feel like the number eight relates to the infinity symbol? Like, is that a thing? Yes. Yeah, 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 totally. So I'll say before we move on, um, that I spend a lot of time in both seven and eight energy because my birthday is seven, seven, and I was born at 7 PM and I weighed seven pounds. So seven is an energy that like attached itself to me, even though it's not my life path. It's not my, um, it's not my public persona. It's an energy that I understand very deeply. And that has, um, very, it's very much a part of my life. And so anyone who's listening, the actual digits that make up your birthday are important. You can look to those. So especially if you have a lot of repeating digits, um, check those out just as, as numbers themselves. Um, so the eight, so I, I am on an eight life path. So I call eight, the powerhouse. Um, I also am toying with changing the name to like the embodied or the integrated. Cause I do think that there is, um, there's a physical element to, to eight, but yes, if you flip eight on its side, you get the infinity symbol. And, um, this is like a main key concept for eight, eight is power and abundance. So looking at that infinity symbol, it is the energy of the infinite. So I think eight is the number of divine resourcing. It's that not only is the eight who it not only is the powerhouse capable and strong, but they are also divinely and infinitely resourced. They know that they can get creative, that they can call upon not only earthly help, but also divine support, that they can always tap into flow, that they can always tap into um, like infinite intelligence and abundance in order to really this is a buzzword now, and it doesn't really mean anything anymore, but in order to manifest, right. In order to actually create things. Um, so in 
Chinese numerology, eight is a very lucky number. It's the number of money and of karma and of um, opportunity. And so eight is one of those numbers that I just want to like reclaim from capitalism. Cause I think a lot of people talk about it being like the boss or the manager or the CEO. Um, and yes, yes to all of those things. Eight is a very capable number. It can do a lot of pretty much anything it sets its mind to. Um, it can learn how to do, but it's really the number of it's, a, it's an emotional number. It rests in the body and it's connected to confidence and self-worth. And so it's connected to values and desires and like deep knowing of, um, of worth, right? If it's money, then we're also talking about worth. So away from capitalism, it's like, what do you want to be doing? Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should be doing something. What is it that you want to do? What really lights you up? Because that's how you're going to connect to your own sense of energy and your own sense of um, doing and feeling good about it and action. Like eight is a very actionable number, um, but, but it's only kind of all flowing when you're doing what you want to be doing and not what you think you should be doing or what somebody else wants you to be doing. So tricky space in there. Ooh, yeah. Path, yeah. I think, do you feel like life path eights have to, we all have to face fears on some level, but I feel like an eight is just like waking up and being like, yep, my fears right next to me. And I'm just going out, going throughout the day with my fear. Cause it's just like your fears have to become your friends to be an eight. Yes. Um, imposter syndrome is like the experience for an eight life path, like self-doubt, insecurity, and imposter syndrome. And really the only way that I know, and again, I have a, a limited life experience so far in this eight, eight life path. Um, but I'm definitely a person who says, yes, I can do things. And then I figure how to do it later. <laughs> like I don't say yes with all of the tools in the toolkit. Um, but the only way to battle imposter syndrome is through action. You Nike it, you just do it. Um, and then hopefully you learn that you can do it. But if you learn that you can't do it, again, infinity failure is part of it. Everything at, comes out in the wash. Um, you just move on. Amen. I yeah. Love yeah, yeah, yeah. So the high vibe, the high vibe for the eight, um, are folks that can really create and manage and sustain opportunities that do really provide abundance for all, um, uh, whether that's material money or other things, but at a low vibe, if we're talking about power, then this is the power grab, right? So hungry for power, um, wielding it over people, um, people, places, or resources. These are your hoarders holding on to too much, only considering their own needs, not considering the needs of others. Um, yeah. I always feel like if we have like power dynamic karma, if you will, it's usually inherited. And we usually are mm. learning, we learn that like, you know, oh, there's not enough. So I have to be like this. Or we learn that, yeah. um, like, love or attention is a limited resource and then everything else becomes a limited resource, you know? Yeah. 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 I also, um, so eight, the eighth house of astrology, that's where like sex and taboo live, <laughs> you know, sex, death and all things taboo live. Um, and I like thinking about, so eight definitely lives in the sex organs. It's like that drive. It's like your, um, 
yeah, like that, that just like lusty sex drive is, <laughs> is definitely an eight vibe. Um, but I think a lot about, about kinks and like this, especially like a dom sub relationship. Cause we're talking about power dynamics here in the eight and like the sub actually holds all of the power. And so I, um, Charlie Claire Burgess, who is an incredible tarot reader and deck maker, um, just talked about this in regards to their chariot card in a new deck that they're making. Um, and it totally like, and again, I spent a lot of time in seven, eight. And so I think, um, it's, it's a concept that works for both numbers, but something about it really rings true to me in the eight is like looking at where the power actually lies. Um, not, not kind of at the surface level, but underneath, like looking at the dynamics and seeing, especially when we're talking about personal power, like where does your personal power actually lie? And for your eight of cups, going way back to your eight of cups, eight of cups is a huge card in my life because sometimes your power really does lie in just walking away cutting ties and just moving the fuck on. Sorry if we can't curse on your podcast. Oh, we have to at least in okay, one great. episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised it took me till the number eight. Um, but yes. Yeah, so I think looking at power um, and both how you wield your own power and how you wield your power in the external world is really important when you're looking at eight. Mm. And if you feel ready, how does eight evolve into nine then? Yeah. If I feel ready, I'm so ready. Let's give you nine. Okay. So eight is doing right. Um, eight, we are having more experiences. We it's not experiences like in the five where we have to make a choice to just kind of stay the course and to keep going and to get to the other side. It's like, now we've expanded, we've asked our questions, we've asked better questions. Um, and then we put that into action and we actually did some shit. And then once we get to nine, we're learning again, we're like, we've integrated. So eight is physical again, it's embodiment. So you're, you're not only are you acting, but then you're integrating all of the, um, learnings from like what you found in the seven, you're like integrating that physically. So then once you get to the nine, that turns out of experience and back into wisdom. So now you're at the very end. We are in the cosmic wrap up, right? So nine is the ending and it's the all, it's the collective. Um, and nine is this really interesting dance between the internal and the external in terms of being like retreat and reemergence, because there is a lot that you have to do in the dark, in the nine, right? You have to do it alone. You have to learn and learn and churn. Um, but then you have to reemerge and you have to share what it is that you know with others. So nine is the archetype of the humanitarian. So it's someone who really has experienced the gamut. And now they are able to lend their help, their guidance, and their support to the collective, to the masses, um, in order to really help humanity. And at this point, if you've lived all of that experience to the point where you're now on this nine life path, you do have a deep like love and respect for humanity. There is something there. I'm sure you can even speak to that, like as an astrologer that um, I'm sure at the core of your work is because you care about people and you want them to understand and you want them to know um, and to understand themselves and to make life a little easier and a little better for them. That's really like, okay, how can we do it better? Um, a big thing for a nine is like, I'll tell you what I know so that you don't have to repeat the same steps 
Like you can just use my work and then you can skip that part in your own life. You don't have to, to battle with all of those things. Um, so at a very high vibe, nine really trusts the wisdom of their own experiences and they hold space for kind of like we were talking before with the two, they really do hold space for contrasting ways of being. They also know there are so many ways to live a life and that there is not one true path, right? We're all, we're all on our own paths. We're all, there are nine nine primary paths that one can walk in this lifetime, even just in these numbers. So how can they integrate all of that experiential wisdom into something that's useful? Um, at a very low vibe, it's somebody who pushes their worldview, who says there is one path, it's mine. <laughs> and I would know because I've walked it for a long time. Um, and so they lack some of those more critical aspects of respect that really do allow for um, coexistence and for harmony and for people to still live their own lives just differently. Uh, oh, I feel that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like as a nine, I like on a very cliche level, like people are like, oh, I just want to help people. And that's what I want. But it's it's not necessarily that I want to help people. It's more it's more like I don't want you to repeat this cycle. Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's, that's what it is for me. Like, and that's what astrology and tarot and even just my client work. I think, I think I just hold space for people so they don't have to repeat the cycle again. And I recognize that as a soul thing too, because if they don't repeat this in this lifetime, then next lifetime, they are evolving into a whole new challenge and they don't have to come back and do this bullshit again. You know, like, that, <laughs> yeah, like, like, let's not come back again and have this same like codependent relationship lesson. Like, let's work through something here so we can next lifetime do something else because this is getting boring. Like, that's how I feel about, <laughs> about like astrology and everything. I mean, that's a huge oversimplification of whatever reincarnation and karma and stuff like that. But um, no, but I love it because you're now we're at nine. So we're almost at the top of the snow globe. Like you have this perspective to look at the big picture. That's really what nines are able to do. They're able to get um, on top of things enough to see a, a bigger picture and to say, we don't have to repeat the same cycles. There is something better. You know, we can, we can choose something differently. And I also love what you're saying about, let's let this be the last time that we do this. Like, let's let it be done because nine is the ending. It is completion. So sometimes we have really successful completions, you know, something ends and it's natural and it's wonderful. And we can pat ourselves on the back for a job well done. And, um, I think I, you know, I have an actor background. So it's like, when you close a show, you're like, Oh, that was so great. What a great run we had. And now I need 75 naps, you know, to recover, but how amazing that that show came to completion. And, and it was great. That's a terrible phrase. We can cut that out later, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, that's great. It, but the other flip side of that is like endings are really tough and endings, especially if they're not on our terms can be really painful. And so there are a lot of, um, of life lessons for a humanitarian of not, 
just because you can see it doesn't mean that you're going to get there. And you might have to let go of a lot of expectations and you might constantly, just like the one is kind of constantly starting things. The nine is kind of constantly ending things and walking away from things and saying, okay, I did that for a while and, and that served or didn't serve, but now I have to move on and I have to be of service in this area, or I, I have to let this go so that I can evolve past it and, and on to the next. So yes, to all of that, all of the, the endings that are in the soup, you know, both ones that you're like, thank goodness, we can just check and move on. And also the ones that you have to recover from a little bit. Totally, totally. And I can only speak from my subjective experience, but like the actual spiritual lesson in quotes of letting go, that's been the most challenging spiritual lesson for me on both an unconscious and conscious level. Like there's something yeah. about my body that like wants to hold on, like this is somatic feeling of, you know, and, and um, I, I think the nines, it's really is that like, what is letting go? What does it really mean for me? How do I grieve? How do I honor? Mm, yes. Um, yeah. So there's, there's some huge power in the nines. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, but Becca, should we say, should we leave the, uh, do you feel like 11 and 22? Should we leave it as a cliffhanger for your, Ooh. Should we do that? Or do you want to do a, a, a little, just give us a little sprinkling? What do you feel? I'll give you a little sprinkling, but it can okay. also be like a little cliffhanger. Um, so 11. Okay. So we have first and foremost gone through all nine of the foundational building block numbers of the spiral. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So most people fall in the foundational spiral. Once we get out of the spiral, there are a few numbers that we refer to as master numbers. They are elevated experiences. Um, you know, there are many schools of thought about why these master numbers exist, what this means to, to have them in your chart. Um, they're 11 and it's multiples. So really 44 is kind of the highest that I go in terms of trying to identify them as life paths. 44s are so uncommon. I only know of two famous figures that are 44 life paths. They are the most bonkers examples of people you could ever think. I will just tell you because now I've, I've dangled the carrot. Um, the DJ Avicii was a 44. <laughs> what was, he's no longer living. Hillary Duff is a 44. Oh. Good old Lizzie McGuire is a high vibe master life path. 44. Hell yeah, like, she is. Hell yeah, she is. <laughs> um, so the ones that come into my work the most common, you know, the most often are 11 and 22. And then I have come across quite a few 33s in my work as well, um, which makes sense to me because 33 is the great spiritual teacher. So it makes sense why those people would find me. Um, but 11 is the idealist. So it sits right on top of the snow globe, right outside of the number line. And this is like your big picture, high vibe, you know, has, has elevated to the point where they can now look down and see how 
perfect everything could be. They see the what's possible, um, and they come from it. Uh, they come to it from a very like imaginative and romantic place. So the trick with the eleven is yielding to reality. They still have one foot on this physical plane as well as one foot beyond the veil, and that can be really tough for an eleven to navigate because they're like, I see it. Why can't it be? And it's like, well. Yes, you are still subject to all of the constructs in this time and space place, um, but it does elevate the journey of the peacemaker. So now, you know, not only are you looking at love and compassion and diplomacy and collaboration, but from like a very elevated high vibe perspective, um, you know, so the, these are your these are your folks who are always striving for equity and fairness and opportunity and for all, like love for all. Um, these are also your spiritual bypassers, your escapists, your folks that are just detached from reality and cannot be available for what's happening here. Um, so I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting energy to have, especially now, because we need the perspective of an 11, but we need them to be grounded. Like we need them to be working here now. Levin, stop making those fake accounts on Instagram. No, I'm kidding. Oh my God. Yeah, truly. I would love to know the numerology of somebody who makes an imposter spiritual account. Stop with the imposter accounts. Right, right, right. Okay. So then 22 really quickly, 22 is the master builder. So it root it's root number is four. So these are your builders, but to a next level. So this is kind of practicality meets prodigy. It's the idea of like, how did they even do that? They are just your natural material manifestors. Um, they do typically have some kind of spiritual mastery, which also means charisma. Like these are your big charisma. They can connect with people, right? It's 22, two, two. So um, they connect with themselves, they connect with others. And there's something um, you can't quite put your finger on it, but they can do it. And it's this idea that they really can build something out of nothing. Um, so these are your folks high vibe with like great capacity to really um, build things that provide security and stability and that are long lasting and that are um, yes, yes. And we want those things um, really low vibe. They are uh, first, like your worst boss, like aggressive micromanagers who just cannot let, like they know what they want to do. And so they can't let you do the thing. They have to like be in the process. Um, but also what they build again, we're looking at motivations, like what happens when charisma is not used for good? What happens when you build things that are harmful? Um, cause again, these are long lasting potent structures, so it's all, it all kind of comes, goes down to like how you're wielding this power and this mastery. Ooh, it's going to be so enlightening too, to just find out like your friends and your parents and your partner's life path numbers and mm. like thinking about, yeah, a, a people that you're close to and how the different life path numbers relate. So this has been so amazing. I, Thank you. I bow to you for talking so long and going <laughs> all the life path numbers. You have, I think, given so much medicine to any of the listeners who maybe needed some clarity about 
their path. Um, and Rebecca, what do you have going on in the next like couple months that you want to plug? Like, where can we find you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It like, truly, I love talking. I'm shocked that there is not a three prominently in my chart because I am a blabbermouth. So thank you for giving me the space to share all of this information. Um, it is really an honor and a pleasure to, to serve and have it be of service. Um, so thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Yes. Where can you find me? Okay. Um, I love working one-on-one. My December books are actually already open. So I don't know when, when this is reaching the world, but, um, December books are open January to come. So in the next few weeks, I'm going to be rolling out some like new year offerings. So, um, and everything from having a one-on-one reading with me over zoom, where we can do, I offer a few numerology readings. I do offer tarot as well. And I offer a combo pack, um, as well as like a, a seek, what I call a seeker session, which is just an hour chunk of time that we can really throw the esoteric book at it. So I'll chart your numbers. We can pull some cards. We'll look at history, myth. I'm into it all. Um, so working one-on-one with me, as well as I'm going to have some kind of written offering for 2022. That's like a PDF where I calculate your yearly number and all of your monthly numbers for 2022 and kind of give you like a numerological snapshot of your year and how you can work with it. Um, so I'm excited that'll be rolling out in the next few weeks. And then I'm also going to run a winter session of numerology school. I did one over the summer, um, that was four classes from 101 through, um, numerology and the tarot, and then some timing techniques. And I'm going to run that again in January. So I haven't announced that yet, but my website I'm sure will be linked and, and it's just my name, rebeccaskolnick.com. So you can book readings and, um, stay up to date with me there. Cause I will be running that school and I'm ideating a fifth something new for the folks who already did it. And then, um, something extra if you're showing up for the first time. So I will have things they are kind of, kind of in the works, um, because I'm actually writing a book that will be published next fall. So still a ways out, but it is on numerology and witchcraft. So, um, all of this information, I will be bashing you over the head with it for um, (laughs) the next many years. Oh my gosh. Well, amazing. And we can tell, tell your, your PR manager that you're back on the podcast when the book is being published. So come back on and we'll do another. Great. Like- you're speaking with my PR manager. It's <laughs> me. Thank you. I accept. <laughs> Yeah, no, we'll, we'll actually ask the listeners like, yeah, what, what after this, uh, listening to this episode, what else do we want to know for our, for yeah. episode that Becca comes back on and, um, oh my gosh, would love. Yeah. I'm so excited for the book and everything. And of course we'll have all of your links in the show notes. So yeah, I'm online. I'm on the gram and, um, oh, just thank you again. Also one, one more thing. Um, come to witch church at 10 a.m. Central on Instagram to see me and then check out Becca's Instagram on Sunday for the Sunday blasphemies post. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. It has been a big part of my spiritual healing. (laughs) My healing from religious trauma Um, on Sundays. I do, uh, I do a meme drop of blasphemies. So religious, spiritual memes 
um, that are a bit spicy, but always a good time. (laughs) Yes. If you're you're healing your religious trauma, don't, don't, don't wait yeah. a minute. Just go, come go on over and it, back his Instagram. <laughs> and at this point there's like a backlog now, like you could go through months of blasphemies. So yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you for having me.